Hey everybody, my name is Philly Actor Cheese Break, um, and I want to tell you how I got my camp name. My camp name is, I'm from Philadelphia, I love the Philadelphia cheesesteak, and I love the Philadelphia Eagles as well, which is not oh. popular. <laughs> Sorry, but, I think we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. And, uh, and then uh, the break part is, um, so there's how we get our camp name is we take a bunch of different stories and stick them all together. So from Philadelphia, love the Philadelphia cheesesteak, the Eagles all as well. And then the actric part of my camp name comes from, I live with two old ladies in college, one of them being this lady named Aunt Peggy. They were 65 and 75 years old. And then the break part comes from, I was driving a big box truck with a huge piano in the back. I volunteered to help this group with this delivery of this big uh, piano. And as I was delivering it, they just said, hey, follow the people in front of you. And so I just started following the people in front of me. And I followed them, went through all the lights, went through the, uh, the stop signs, did everything. And we're showing up to the building we're going to unload this piano to. And I follow them under this little overhang and bam, oh. the, the box truck didn't fit under that overhang. <laughs> and so the box truck broke and so did the, uh, so did the oh, uh, piano. No. And it cost everyone a couple grand, if oh, you know what I mean. Yeah. Grand piano. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there we go. So wow. that's my camp name, Philly yeah. Actric Cheese Break. Philly, say it again, Philly. Philly Actric Cheese Break. I go by Philly at camp. Wow. So in June, I went to Philly for the first time in my life, and I've never before I went there, never had a Philly cheesesteak. What? Never. And so uh, some people that I was with, they took me down to, uh, I don't know, there's like two places right right across the street from each other that you want to go to. One, yes, of, one of them is like the popular place, and one of them is where the locals go. Um, yep. Do you know the name? You, know, you sound like you look like you know what I'm talking about. Pat and Gino's. Yes. Yeah. We didn't go to Gino's. We went to the other one. Pat yes. or whatever, yeah. Is that the local one? That's the one where the locals okay. supposedly go. Um, anyway, loved it, dude. Loved it. They made yes. me. They made me get. Anyway, it was great. First time I ever had Philly cheesesteak. Now I want Did one, you but like I'm it? scared. To, yeah, I, did, I loved it, but I'm scared to have one down here because I've yeah. always heard the ones down here are not the ones up there. When I first when I first got to Texas, I moved to Texas about ten years ago. My one of my buddies that I met here for the first time, he's like TJ. We got to go down to Jersey Mike's and get a Philly cheesesteak. And I just, I said, this is not going to go well. And I promise I'm not going to go well. Oh, I'll buy. Let me buy. And we go down and we go to Jersey Mike's. He buys me a Philly cheesesteak and it was just awful. Oh. And I said, man, I'm so glad I'm here in Texas and you're trying to feed me a Philly cheesesteak. So is there yeah. any here in Texas that are okay? Uh, there's not, not quite. There's a place okay. in Dallas that I've found. There's a place in Dallas I've found. Um, it's on the way to the uh, DFW airport from Tyler. And it's a guy from Philly mm. who 
he brings in his role that he orders rolls from Philadelphia. Yeah, there you go. That's how you do it. Amoroso rolls, which that's an important part to a great Philly cheesesteak. And so he brings those in and all the meat and ingredients and all. And um, it's pretty good, but uh, his rolls were like two or three days old, it felt yeah. like. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, a cart in Philadelphia is the best place to get them. If you're uh -huh. downtown Philadelphia, walk out of a tall building and there's a guy with a little cart with a hot grill. He's been cooking a hundred of them in like five minutes. Go stop there. It's $4 for a foot long and you'll, you'll enjoy it. Now wow. I want to go to Philly. I know. Right. Yes. Yeah. Come on. That, that's why I'm, I'm scared to get one down here. Cause I don't think I'm going to be disappointed if I do. It's like a, when I went to Chicago, I had a deep dish pizza and I, I, yeah. I'm scared to get those down here also <laughs> because uh, Deep dish down here is not deep dish up there. And the, and then they show me how to make good hot dogs in Chicago, too. So I'm kind of spoiled <laughs> now on that. Some of those deep dish places do deliver. So you should look into wow. that. Ah, I think I will look into that because those were fantastic. Awesome. Yes. Welcome to The Testament, a podcast that spotlights the amazing real-life stories of everyday people who've been transformed by their surrender to Jesus Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of one of the many miraculous before and after accounts of lives forever changed by encountering the Savior. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Testament. My name is Jeff Keck. And I'm Jess Kirchmeyer, and we're here today with TJ Connor. Hey, TJ, how are you? Doing well. Glad to be here. Yeah. So why don't you introduce yourself? Well, uh, my name is TJ Connor, or TJ Philly Connor. I work at Pine Cove Christian Summer Camps, and uh, I'm the Senior Director of Ministries, as well as our Family Camp Cryer Creek Director, and um, have been in camp ministry ministry for about 10 years and i'm married to an amazing woman named chelsea connor and um we we love doing life together so much so we have three children and um we currently go to a church here in college station moved to college station about a year and a half ago and we go to church at grace southwood here in college station awesome um, and just so everybody knows, we are, we have you on Zoom, right? Yeah. So um, if there is an You're audio issue throughout the day today, that's because we are on the internet. So, <laughs> so TJ, the big, the big part of the show is um, our salvation in, in Christ and our testimonies. So if you would give us a minute just to, just to kind of understand um, how, you know, where, where in your life did you find Christ and what was life like before that? And then um, how, has, how has the Lord been impactful in your life since? Yeah, I would say that I grew up in a half-Christian home, meaning my mother was um, a believer and my father was an atheist. Mm -hmm. And so, I, and then I have five older brothers and two older sisters, wow. Todd, Tim, Tracy, Trisha, Tom, Toby, Troy, TJ. Wow. <laughs> That's so awesome. I, I, so this is, the, that's the household I'm growing up in. And, um, we really grew up every day or every opportunity that the church doors were open. My mom took us to church 
as my mom took us to church, my dad was staying at home. And uh, it was very confusing early on. But then when I was school age, I had the opportunity to go. Uh, my mom sent us to a Christian school, and it was the same church school. So it was a church school combo. And it was very, very small, K through 12th, probably about three, 400 students, K through 12th. And how I explained my growing up was pretty legalistic in the sense of I just had to show up to school, dress a certain way, look a certain way, follow these rules, go to church, sit in the same spot and continue to, you know, follow the rules, sit, be calm, memorize this verse, understand this, and you're going to be just fine. And that's kind of how I grew up was just going to church, very systematic, very um, um, trying to be a good person, trying to understand that, hey, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. And I picture it like a scalpel kind of taken to my head or brain and just like jam Christianity in. That's kind of my what it's been like for me early on. And never really, it, it was everyone else's belief, my mom's faith, my brother's faith. I want to be like my brother, so I'm going to get baptized or I'm just going to do all these things to I'm seeking approval. And um, and so my senior year of high school, I had the opportunity. Um, I had this opportunity to senior year was a big year for me. And um, I'm a big sports guy. Soccer, basketball, baseball are the sports I've played pretty much my entire life. And um, there, it's senior year there, there was a, there was a guy that transferred from a rival school to my school. And we knew each other because he was their best player. And so I remember the first time we were kicking the soccer ball and I was telling him, Hey, there's one thing you don't do um, here at this school is, and we're kicking the soccer ball in a group of three or four people. And I'm telling them, Hey, there's one thing you don't do. You don't talk to this one girl, which was my girlfriend at the time. And, <laughs> don't, while you're here, don't talk to her. And um, we had been dating probably three or so years, you know, what, you know, as much as a, you know, junior high to senior high, couple could date right, that's what right. we were doing. and um at a christian school and christian you know at a church and all and so that's what we were doing and so i told him that right off the bat well what do you think um happened obviously little while pass and i you know long story short as i break up she breaks up with me she starts dating him and it's this sudden like oh there's a lot going on wow, this was something I found my identity in was my relationship with this girl plus sports. And now basketball, it's basketball season. So we were just playing soccer. I told him not to talk with her. He started talking to her. We broke up and we're in the middle of basketball season, which is the sport that I cherish the most. And we're now, you know, leaders and the best players, I guess you could say, on this team. And he's even better than I am. Mm -hmm. And now he's 
the leader. Now he's the one getting the last shot. Now he's the one having better stats. And I'm like, oh, no, this is bad. Um, and so I'm losing all the things I've found value in and cared about in my life. And that's my senior year. And he's just better at everything, including going after this girl. You know? <laughs> so all the things that I found my hope in, identity in, excitement in, started to kind of just, I, I've started to lose them. And I didn't know what to do with myself, if I'm being honest. I didn't know um, where, what do I do with my time? What do I do with my energy? Who, who do I write notes to? Who do I, who do I spend time with? And that's when I just started making bad decisions. I started not, not spending my time wisely. Um, started hanging with the wrong crowd, the people that I knew didn't want to do the right thing. And that's when I started, I kind of called a prodigal, a prodigal son, couple months. And I just had an op, you know, I had all of this knowledge of how I should live, what I should act like. And I kind of disregarded, disregarded it. I graduated from high school. And right as I graduated, I kind of had this moment with my parents. We were in a, a little bit of a disagreement. And I told them after that disagreement, I remember I got in the car with them and I said, hey, I want to let you know I'm moving out. I don't like you guys. I'm, I'm mad at you. This is frustrating. And at this point, I was the only child of eight. So it, or like it, I'm the last one. I'm the baby. So they're kind of like hanging on for right. dear life. And so I was like, I need my freedom. I'm 18 years old. Get out of here. Um, and so I moved out. And, um, and just started living and feeding this lifestyle of do whatever I want. Um, and what will make me happy? I'm going to try it. Um, what do you think uh, will bring you life? I'm going to try it. Oh, hey, I have all these friends at church trying to reach out. People calling me, texting me, hey, do you want to get together? No. I mean, for people I, I had, I've had 18 years of life with, still trying to connect with me. And I'm like, no, basketball teammates, friends from my senior year class that just graduated, parent friends, all these things. And I'm like, nope, not doing it. So I worked for the summer and filled my life with what I wanted to fill it with. And we, we get to the end of the summer. And as I'm, as I'm, we're, we're pretty close to the su end of the summer and I'm about to go to uh, Liberty University, started making some payments towards Liberty. And uh, we get to the end of the summer and someone is calling my phone. And it's a friend of mine that I think wants me to go play basketball. And so I'm like, well, duh, you know, like I want to play basketball. And this is probably one of my first phone calls I'm picking up from someone back in my high school days. And it's only been three, three or so months. Well, I pick up and he's like, I'm like, Hey, where are we playing? He goes, Oh, we're not. He's like, I want you to go on this backpacking canoe trip. <laughs> and I was like, that would be epic, you know? Um, but uh, Cause I have been going on this trip with the church and youth group for a really long time. 
and I love, I love the outdoors and all this. And he's like, I'm no longer able to go. And I, I know how expensive it is. It's a, it, you know, it was an expensive trip for, you know, for us to go. And he goes, well, I'll just give you my ticket. I can't go. He's like, you need to leave tomorrow. <laughs> and, and so I, I was like, oh man, I said, yes, I'll go. He hung up and he told me where to meet. And I, I left. Well, in that moment, I prayed a prayer that I will never forget. And it will, it, it, it was, yeah. So I prayed a prayer and I said, God, do whatever you want to do in my life this week. And I didn't even know what I was praying. <laughs> I, I just prayed that. Didn't think anything of it, packed my gear, met the next morning. Even overslept, made the trip wait for me because I was partying or <laughs> playing the night before and was late. Well, it was in Canada. So at the time, I lived right outside of Philadelphia. And so we had a however long drive to Ontario, Canada. Well, I remember driving to, through the border. And as I'm driving through the border of Canada, I, I prayed one more time. I said, God, if you want to do anything in my life this week, do it. And at that point, I still didn't understand what I was praying. And so I got on this trip. And this trip is kind of how it works is it's a five, five or six day trip. Everything that you need for the trip is in a backpack. And you have a canoe and your paddles and flotation device and all. And so you, where there's water, you paddle. Where there's not water, you hike and carry the canoe and it's called portaging. And so this is the trip and we're, 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 we're into it. It's probably a Wednesday. So midway through the trip and this point we're doing some Bible studies and things like that. And I'm just kind of disregarding it, enjoying the outdoors. Wow. There's a moose over there. This is cool. I love it. Look how, look how much, how many of the stars you can see. So I'm enjoying all this and we get to the middle of the, the week and it's called what they do in the middle of the week is a thing called solo day. And solo day is a day where you go spend um, at least half a day, four to six hours spread out around um, this pretty big lake. So there, we're in the middle of this park called Algonquin State Park and in the middle of nothing. And we're on this lake that's about five miles in circumference. They say, TJ, um, you, since you've been on this trip, you take two guys to their islands, drop them off, and then you're going to have about a mile to two mile paddle to your island. So I was like, this is easy peasy. I got this. And so I dropped the first guy off at his island, dropped the second guy off at his island. And then as I'm starting to leave his island, the wind starts picking up. The waves start getting bigger. and He's like, TJ, why don't we just share this island together for the day? I'm like, what? They're not huge islands. We would still probably be able to see each other on this island. And so I was like, no, I'm going to my own island. 
And so he's like, great, go for it. Well, um, so I start heading towards my island and you would thought I had never canoed before Mm. because I had no control of my boat. I had, I couldn't put it in the direction I wanted it to go. I was pretty much just roaming in circles all the way until I was in the smack dab middle of the entire lake. Mm. And at this point, no one really knew where I was. And the swells were two to two and a half feet swollen up and down. And it's, so it's crazy because I'm sitting there like, Oh, what am I going to do? And at this point, I'm pretty angry. Just being honest, I was frustrated. And so I was taking my paddle and I was pretty much slamming it on the water, yelling at God specifically. Hate you, God. Don't want anything to do with you, God. I'm angry. You're the worst. Curse words in there towards God. And again, no one knows where I am. It's just me in the middle of this five mile circumference lake and everybody's spread out. And so I realized I don't have my life jacket on. Quick grab my life jacket. And as soon as I snap the snaps, you know, the clips of my life jacket, a wave hits my boat and flips me. And so I am just this helpless now flipped boat in the middle of this lake. And if I were to flip my canoe back over, the canoe would be full of water. So it can't do that. And it would sink. So the only thing I know how to, what to do is I just sat on the edge of my canoe and I remembered a song growing up in church. And so I just sung as I bobbed up and down with my canoe in the middle of this lake. This point, no one knows where I am, still don't know where I am. And so I sing the song. The song is, it is well. And I say, it is well, it is well. And I start singing this over and over and over again. Finally, after being there, I'm not sure how long I was there, um, just hanging, bobbing up and down, the, getting water on my mouth as I'm singing. Um, this uh the leader of the trip thought he heard singing and so he came the edge of his he came to the edge of his island looked out and finally did see me and so realized that my boat was flipped and long story short he ended up coming out with his canoe he um we couldn't flip over i didn't have enough energy at this point to get into his boat so i hung on to his boat we pulled Tugman in and it took us a long while to get in because it was still windy and the, you know, the weather was still crazy. Well, you re- picture yourself as you are about to, you've been in the deep end of a pool for a really significant amount of time. And when you finally can reach and touch the ground, I had this moment as I'm coming to the edge of the lake and my feet hit the ground and I'm like, oh, this is crazy. 
And I just started, I was overwhelmed with emotion. I was overwhelmed with, wow, this is wild. And my, what I'm feeling is wild. And then I'm sitting there like, oh no, I prayed to God two times. <laughs> Lord, if you want my life, do something this week. Mm -hmm. And I'm standing there on the edge of this lake and the leader of my group standing there. And I'm like, Hey, the Lord's trying to get a hold of my life. So he's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta go sit and you just gotta journal or be with the Lord or whatever. Yep. And so I started, uh, the only thing that I took in that whole canoe trip that I was on was my Bible and like a snack. The snack was wet. The Bible was completely dry. Mm. I, I got, I set, found a spot, sat down and I said, all right, Lord, this is your chance. Kind of just prideful, like, Lord, show me something. If you want me, show me. And so I prayed, I prayed that again and I kind of flipped through my Bible and then pointed and I landed on Matthew chapter 16. I started reading and I was like, this is talking about Sadducees, mom, you sees, dad, you sees, brother. <laughs> I'm like, I, this doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm about to put this down. Got to verse 24 of Matthew 16, chapter 24. And it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me for the first time in my entire life. All of the scripture that I had learned or had been scalpeled and drilled into my head, the reasons I sang songs growing up, the reason I went to church, the reason my friends prayed for me, all of that made sense. And it felt like a million bells went off in my house or in my head. Um, and it just was ding, 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 TJ, listen up. I'm here. I'm real. If you want to be my disciples, if you want to be my disciples, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And the deny yourself piece was like, holy cow, I've been, I've been filling my life with everything that I want to fill my life with. If my life is not mine, I've got to live it not for me. And so at that moment, I realized, holy cow, my life needs to look a lot different than how I've been living. It finally clicked that, hey, this is the way I should be living my life. And at that moment, I kind of took, I read the last, you know, I read, read the rest of the passage and then I made a list of, I don't remember the exact amount, but I just made a list of 20 to probably 30 things that needed to look different in my life if I was truly going to be to live for Christ. And it was things like friendships. Uh, people I had to ask to forgive me. It was things like music that I was listening to. Um, it was uh, people in my family that I've hurt. And it was just kind of a whole hodgepodge of lists. And I'm like, if I'm going to do, if we're going to do this, Lord, I, I need so much help from you. But I also 
I, I also, there's, there's this list that I got to get through and make right in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I remember sharing with the group around the fire that night of like, holy cow, this just happened. This was my like sixth or seventh trip on this deal. And the guys knew me pretty well. Um, and so I just dumped it all out for them. And I remember driving home um, from that trip and just going through the the border again, Canada into the United States. And I'm like, Lord, my life is yours. I'm done trying to do it myself. Use me as you will. And it hasn't been, my life hasn't been like, woo, look at, you know, right then and there, it wasn't like, wow, you can tell TJ really loves the Lord. But it was a process because I started to um, make some of those things change, uh, changes in my life. Some people didn't want to hear it. Some people uh, were like, wow, this is awesome. Let's pray for you. Some people couldn't get a hold of to ask forgiveness. Um, Some, you know, but some other things I could start spending time in God's word. I could start uh, listening to better music. I could start praying. And so I did some of those things and my life started to turn. Uh, My life um, started to change and I the leader of that trip gave me a challenge of, hey, I'm not sure you don't know anybody at Liberty. And um, there's a school that I'm going to teach at um, in Wisconsin. He's like, you should come with me um, to Wisconsin. I was like, what? Wisconsin's crazy and it's cold all the time. I, and like cold, cold. Um, but I ended up going to school for my freshman year of college in a small school in Northern Wisconsin. And I remember walking on property there for the first time and I went out for their soccer team and, um, and was a goalie for them. And after our first practice, this guy comes up to me. Um, he's a fifth year senior. He says, Hey, I like you. You come follow me, do, do what I do. And honestly, um, I get a little excited about this because this was the first opportunity in my life where I saw true discipleship. Mm -hmm. This guy walked into my life, grabbed me, didn't know me from anybody said, Hey, you're my guy. Come after me. He was the best player on our team, the hardest worker, the longest tenured player. And he says, you're my guy. And so he started discipling me. We started studying God's word. He's kept me accountable to who I was hanging with. He, you know, we worked together. We worked out together. We played soccer together. But then where my relationship with the Lord took off was I met him every day to spend time in God's word. And that's what changed me. It's not, you can't just, oh yeah, change the way you dress and you're a Christian. How do you look different? Well, you look different by the Lord changing you from the inside. Mm. My heart needed to be cleansed. I needed chiseling in my inner being so that I could live out what it looks like to honor and glorify Christ. And so we went on that journey um, and went to school there for a little while for one semester or for two semesters, finished up that. And then, um, it was just an expensive school. Didn't have the funds to continue to go there because it was a private college and I was paying for school myself. And so I sat out for a year 
And that year was a pivotal year because I worked really hard and um, to raise a bunch of money and um, to go back to school. And so, because um, I was like, I'm not not going to finish a degree, but I also didn't want to take out a bunch of loans. And so um, I decided to work a bunch of jobs, worked a bunch of jobs and saved up a bunch of money. And um, at that, during that year, I started dipping myself back into some of my old habits. And I started to, oh, it's all good. I can, I can follow Jesus when the sun is up. When the sun goes down, I don't need to. And it, it wasn't good. It wasn't right. Um, and then so finished the year of working hard, went to Lan- a school called Lancaster Bible College in, in central Pennsylvania. And um, it's very similar to D- Dallas Baptist, uh, DBU, kind of been on that campus a bunch and it feels like that. And, um, and so I'm, I'm on this campus and probably after my first semester, someone calls me out for the sin that was in my life that they were seeing, Hey, you're living this way, way during the day. And at night you're living like this, this isn't right. Calls me out and tells me, Hey, you need to tell there was a, a really important mentor in my life at this point. And he said, you need to be 100% honest with him by Friday. And that guy, I, I, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. I told him by Friday, other than my salvation, obviously. But by Friday, I went and had a meeting with my mentor. And I just said, here's everything. Here's what I've been dealing with. Here's what I've, how you think I've been living. But then This is what I've been giving myself to. I need your help. I'd love the Lord. I really do. And I want that to be my focus with my life. And so it was kind of a re a moment for me where I re dedicated, but then also was like, Hey, get after it. These things do not bring life. They are only distracting you from the one mission of bringing God glory. And so I stopped, paused and just, Hey, I need your help. And, um, and then finished my couple years at Lancaster Bible College um, and uh, have been living for the Lord ever since. Um, and not that it's been just easy and fluffy and glory, but it has been a sweet journey because if you stack a day of loving the Lord on top of another day of loving the Lord, and then you get a third day and then you get a week and then you get a month and then you get a year, there's nothing better. And so you can try to fill anything else you want in there, but there's nothing better at the end of the day from loving the Lord. And, and so that's what I have found over the last, how many of 14, 15 years since. And there's nothing better than that. And so I don't want to do anything else other than bring glory to the, the Lord. And Satan's going to try to distract, going to try to tempt, try to shame you with things from the past. I'm, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on to the mark. Mm-hmm. Philippians 4, um, straining towards the things that are ahead. And so anyway, um, that's kind of a little bit of my story. And uh, I hope that's been a beneficial um, time for y'all. Yeah, definitely. So once you got to college, you um, I know we talked about you started a camp ministry. Um, tell us more about that. 
So, yeah, I was just talking about the, the opportunity that I had to talk to that mentor. Well, that mentor was the vice president of the college. And when I, I was playing basketball at Lancaster Bible College and I was living the double life. And so I confessed to him and let him know, here's what's going on. And I said, hey, I need to do something else. I can't be living this way. And, and um, basketball was taking up a lot of time, but I realized that it wasn't something that I was going to do with the rest of my life. And so I ended up stepping off the basketball team and just started praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? At the same time, um, I was I was an elementary education degree as well with a special ed. That was my focus. And I was for the last two ish years. That's what I was studying. And I just wasn't thriving in the classes. And I wasn't, um, you know, <laughs> I wasn't meeting all of the grade requirements. And so it it created a really nice friction with my um uh, advisor. He's like, dude, you're not going to be able to stay in this degree. And I'm doing my best. I'm just not like, woo, the awesome, the most gifted student, you know? And so he's like, well, you can drop how many classes you're taking. And I'm like, no way. I'm not going to be in school till I'm 45. And so I was like, there's got to be something else that I can do that fits my giftings and skill set. And I went and talked to a youth ministry, the youth ministry department. And he reminded me of my love for camp and my, um, wow, this could be a really sweet deal. And I'm like, oh, and I grew up going to a camp, uh, the same uh, church and school that I went to had a camp. And so I would go there every summer. And in this, in one summer, particularly, there was this team that came through that they just did skits and games and kind of made you laugh, served you and were around just hanging with you, being a blessing. And I was like, I wonder if there's something like that at Lancaster Bible College. And sure enough, I did some digging and looking around and there wasn't. And so I just started asking questions. Um, and do you think we could do one of these? And so I pitched it. I called a meeting with the president of the <laughs> college and I'm a, I'm a sophomore at this point. Yeah. And I was like, look at me, I'm going to get a meeting with this guy. <laughs> so he chuckled just like y'all did when I went in there and I pitched this big grand idea, Hey, sponsor us in this team to go travel around to different camps and we use your money, your scholarship, do it. Um, and he just laughed um, and was very kind. But the meeting probably last, the longest part of the meeting was his prayer. And then <laughs> um, the door shutting on, on me as I left. And as I was walking out of that meeting, that same mentor heard that I was in that meeting. And because he's the vice president. And so he came and put his arm around me and said, dude, that presentation was awful. You've got to think through it better and you've got to do better um, just all around. And so he's like, but I think you're onto something. And I was like, what? Nice. You know, so there's this belief 
And this guy wrapping his arm around me and saying, hey, I care about you. I believe in you. And so I, I stopped school for a little while, about a week, because I didn't really go to class much, didn't do projects that probably were due. I just focused in on, I got to start a camp program and a camp team here at Lancaster Bible College. So I started calling a bunch of camps. I started calling about, I wanted to see what the need was. I wanted to see if my vision that was in my mind would fit with what was happening. And sure enough, within a week, I had 15 different camps around the Northeast wanting us to come for different weeks for the summer. And I found a girl on campus that loved camp ministry, not as much as I did, but she was more organized and she could put a cool presentation together. And so I went back. This time I left the president out of the out of the meeting, straight to the vice president and said, hey, I got a presentation for you. Will you listen? And my friend came with me and she helped me put together numbers and, and things. And, and so long story short is they gave me the thumbs up. Yeah. They said, you can build a team. You can scholarship the team. You can have a budget. And we, as a, I'm a sophomore at this point, we will allow you to lead the team and you can use our office and you'll run it out of our office. And I'm like, this is crazy. And so from that moment on, this is what I was praying for. I was praying for God to give me something to fill my time and my passion. And it just took off. Um, camps, we started locking camps in. And the first summer we went to, I think about 14 camps all the way from Maine to uh uh yeah so maine to maryland and we kind of went all in between kentucky and um you know one of the carolinas and you know, just we went all over the place and with a team of about 10 of us and there's probably a hundred and 120 people from our college that applied to be a part of this team and so i had this opportunity to pick a team and go on the road for the summer. And so that was kind of the first, my first real leadership kind of opportunity to be in camp ministry. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with, wow, there's a huge need at camp. There's a huge opportunity to um, serve these camps. And I'm in the middle of college and I'm learning all these things about the Bible. I'm learning things about leadership. I'm learning all these things. And I, what's better time or way to use these things is to put them right into practice. And this college, Lancaster Bible College, believed in me and said, here you go. We'll use our resources, use our people, and we'll send you on the road. And so that's where Team Charger is what it was called, was was birthed and it was this it, it just was a camp team that traveled around and um we went all summer we were we were it was a long long summer because you're traveling from maine to like pennsylvania on your weekends and then doing it all over again and so not much rest but we were young and uh and so the next summer we you know we did it for three or four summers and then i left and um it still continued on so that's awesome, man. And, and of course that led you into your career in camps, I'm sure. And so, um, yeah, so I know that you've worked at Pine Cove in different locations and you're currently director, um, college station, right? 
Yep. So, so how many years in total have you been in Pine Cove? All the different locations. Yeah, so I've been at Pine Cove about nine and a half, ten years now. Okay, so nine and a half, ten years at Pine Cove. Can you share with us um, something that you've seen God really pull through, Some, some, something that God's really just kind of, um, I don't know, what's the way I want to word this question? Um, How many brag on God? <laughs> yeah, just tell us. Yeah, that's it. Tell us about a time that God showed off at Pine Cove. Yeah, I feel like... God's been so faithful, um, and I feel like I've seen at camp you see so many really cool, hey, you're away from distractions. Um, but the thing that kept coming back as I was thinking about this and what I wanted to talk about was every week, some parents out there might be, understand this or some of you who have ever been to a camp. You kind of have the every week there's a camp there's a camper or two that come in like we're gonna hate this. This is gonna be the worst. I can't believe my parents are making me come. I'm so sad. I'm mad at the world. I um they're they took my phone. I can't believe it. None of my friends are here. I'm whatever you fill in the blank. And I think. And I, I was talking to somebody just the other day about this because I was thinking about the, what I was going to answer y'all. And I think the thing that consistently happens weekly is someone comes into camp like that, not loving the Lord or not excited about being at camp. And there's this idea of um, our staff, we try to train and help them, and myself included, to be optimistic, to um, to dive into their life and go after whoever's on our property or whoever's entrusted to our care. So anyway, I every week without fail, I have seen someone come and start the week ticked at the world. Tuesday still ticked, Mon Monday, Tuesday still ticked, Wednesday, ah, we got to figure out if we're going to really give ourselves to this place. And then Thursday, Friday, you just see, I've seen a different camper. And the reason I'm sharing this is I just think camp is such a special place and because there's zero distraction. And you can focus in on the creation and the creator. And you have an opportunity. And so these, these campers are doing all these fun activities, doing all these crazy games, skits, dance parties, or whatever. And I have seen time and time again that same camper come in and be mad. And then by Wednesday, Thursday, be glad. Yeah. Because they found out what why we're doing this. They understand that this isn't about them being outside of their everyday. This is about, our life is about bringing glory to God and living for him. Um, Colossians 3, 1 and 2, set your mind on things that are above. Seek the things that are above. And really, we want to give them an opportunity to see that. And when they understand that their circumstances and how they came in and what they left at home isn't what brings them joy. And they finally understand what 
brings them joy. It changes their perspective. And they're the ones at the end of the week that are winning the dance party. They're the ones with their hands raised towards heaven in worship. And I have seen that consistently every week of camp. Someone come in not excited and leave. Um, And particularly this last summer, someone very similar to this story that I'm telling you, all week long, same thing, hard-faced, hard-nosed, don't care. I hate camp, hate people who sent me to camp, can't believe this. Saturday morning, they leave by like 11 a.m.-ish, maybe a little before, getting picked up. It's 30 minutes before this camper is about to be picked up. She runs across the opposite side of camp to the other side of camp and tells her counselor, I can't leave. I haven't experienced the joy. Mm. Well, that camper and that counselor or that counselor had an awesome opportunity to tell her, well, this is why we've been joyful all week long. It's Jesus. He's changed all of our lives. And so 30 minutes left of camp, she got to hear, she got to accept, and she got to believe. And now she's walking back into her life with that joy. And Mm -hmm. so um, that's why I do what I do. That stuff never gets old. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, I can, I was looking at notes from previous summers and I see stories like that from counselors over and over again. This camper didn't like camp. They're leaving with an understanding of who Jesus is and their joy um, they have in him is special. And so love it. Great. So shifting to your family, you've got three kids and they're all very young. Um, So as they grow and experience this life with you at camps and and a part of that, um, one day they're going to be adults and moving out and going on their own. Um, What's your greatest hope for them? At that time, I know it's hard to think about when they're all three under three right now, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an adventure. Um, but I think, um, I, I'm not trying to sound cliche, but I, I think if when they're adults, if they can understand who they are and also whose they are, mm-hmm. they're going to be just fine. Um, and if they can understand the giftings and talents that God has given them. And then they can understand what God has done for them. Whew, that's going to be amazing. And they're going to be able to make an amazing ripple effect for the cause of Christ. And if that's what they're leaving from being in my household, praise the Lord. What is one thing that you do that's intentional about making it real with your children? You know what I mean? Like you said you saw your parents and you had this idea. So what do you do that's, um, yeah, that makes it intentional? Yeah, so my goal right now, is, I mean, they're all, you know, they're really yeah. young. Yeah, or what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, but even right now, um, I mean, I read scripture. I pray. Yeah. Um, and once a week, one of my habits right now is getting alone with each of my kids, um, with no other kid around, with no other, with my wife not there, and just being with them, speaking identity into them, caring about them, talking to them, praying. 
um, and reading God's word um, a little bit. And it's in a fun way. Jesus Storybook Bible is a fun way to, you know, read scripture to them. And and it's a good way for me to be reminded of scripture. And so um, that's something that I'm doing and will, you know, Lord willing, hope uh, continue to do. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of scripture, what is your favorite scripture? What do you um, just always get touched by when you read? I think, you know, the story I shared in my testimony, Matthew 16, 24, for sure, is right up there. But the most, the, the one that's been the last couple of years is 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that you did not receive? Well, then why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Um, or act as if you didn't receive it. And yeah. so it's just this constant reminder of, hey, nothing you have is yours. Christ gave you everything you have in the first place. So do not ever try to act as if it's yours. It's Christ. It's for his glory. Use your gifts, your talents, your resources for his glory. And so 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding. So, uh, TJ, if somebody wants to know more about Pine Cove or if they want to try to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Yeah, um, best way is to go on our website. It will get you all set up. You can find our, a phone number if you'd rather do that on there. But you also can uh, go right on to the website and get in on camp. You can uh, apply for scholarships. You can do whatever you need to on pinecove.com. Outstanding. TJ Connor. thanks for coming and interviewing with us. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. If you want to know more about who Jesus is, you can go to shockwaveministries.com and click on the gospel message. There you will find scripture references about who Jesus is and the plan of salvation, as well as different resources and references provided by our guests to help you through your walk with Christ. You can also click on the Testament tab where you will find a link to all of our podcasts and see our most recent podcast episodes that have been launched. Also on the Testament tab, you can drop us a line. Let us know what you think, if you have any comments or ideas for us, or point us to someone you think would make a great guest on our show. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Testament podcast. We'll make sure you know when each of our episodes launch and even give you a heads up on what episode is coming up with our Feature Friday posts. And if you see myself or Jess out and about, ask us for a business card. That's right. So we printed business cards with a QR code on them that leads your smartphone to our show. So you can hand them to a friend or family member, leave one on a table along with your tip for the waiter. Or pin one up on one of those cork boards that you see in a restaurant or a store where they allow the public to advertise their businesses. So thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Bye.